My guests today are film director Michael Hall and actress Jet Jandreau, and under the direction of filmmaker Michael Hall, Peter 5-8, a film that emerges skillfully blending drama, suspense, and character depth. Now, actress Jet Jandreau is a German-American actress who has starred in multiple features across the globe, and she starred in the Western drama The Trail, which premiered at the Cannes International Film Festival, and Jet received two Best Actress Awards for her performance in the U.S. Now, both Michael and Jet own Ascent Films Production Company. Now, since then, Ascent Films has produced both Peter 5-8 and other films, and also a brand new upcoming Western drama that I hope to hear about in the very near future. But we're here to talk about their brand new film, Peter 5-8, features the talented Jet as Sam, a glamorous yet troubled real estate agent, portraying a character grappling with alcoholism and a dark secret. And her performance opposite of Kevin Spacey is a testament to her versatility and depth as an actress. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome writer-director Michael Hall and producer-actress Jet Jandreau to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Ward. Thrilled to be here. (laughs) Well, you're very welcome. I've got to say, first of all, Michael, you wrote, directed, and produced Peter 5-8, and Jet, you are one of the producers of the film as well. So, Michael, where did you get the idea for this screenplay? Well, that's an interesting story, Ward. Um, I have a, a long history with film noir, the genre that uh, Peter 5-8 belongs to. Um, I go way back uh, with this genre to my early teen years. I was obsessed with film noir. I read every book. Uh, by the hard-boiled fiction authors, Raymond Chandler, Mickey Spillane, Dashiell Hammett, uh, you name it. Um, I was a library kid. I spent a lot of time in the public library and uh, I read all of these authors and I saw the film adaptations. I actually had a mentor uh, as, as a, young, a young man who exposed me to, uh, to cinema. He, he's an Italian man. Incidentally, he was uh, Federico Fellini's driver uh, in the 60s. So this was this was a very influential character in my life. Uh, he exposed me to cinema and Italian cinema, but more specifically, 1940s uh, noir cinema from America. And why, why do I feel so strongly about this genre? Well, it's the attributes of film noir. It's the melodrama. It's the eccentricity. It's the music. Uh, they're very musical films. Characters often go in and out of song in these in these types of films. Uh, it's the mystery and it's it's the tropes that that come with the genre. You can call them tropes. You can call them cliches. Uh, I call them ingredients. Just like a like a meal. To make a certain kind of meal, you need certain ingredients. Um, that's how I feel about film noir. So the the objective with Peter Five Eight was to make a film that felt very much like a film from this period, a film from the 1940s. And there's this term neo-noir, and we we see, you know, a lot of movies that call themselves neo-noir, but to me as kind of a a fan and a disciple of this genre, I'm often, uh, I often find neo-noirs are something different. I I enjoy them, 
Um, but I don't really feel that they they play the same as as your classic noirs with Robert Mitchum and Humphrey Bogart and all the fantastic uh, female stars from the period. So the the intention with with Peter Five Eight was to capture that spirit and that magic uh, for me in that that melodrama and that pulpy quality uh, of these of these films, so that a viewer could watch something like Out of the Past with Robert Mitchum or uh, Act of Violence with Janet Leigh, and and then watch Peter Five Eight after it. And it would it would flow stylistically. So that that was the that was the idea and the impetus for the screenplay. Yeah, <clears throat> I enjoyed the film. <clears throat> I watched it from beginning to end, and I have to say the three main characters are Kevin Spacey, of course, Jet, and then Rebecca De Mornay. Jet, for mm-hmm. you, what was it like working with such experienced actors? Uh, and it was, it was a dream come true, frankly. I mean, I've, you know, it's something as an actor, you're, you're working your whole career, uh, to, you know, to achieving, you know, such, such a level and, um, especially obviously with, with Kevin and, uh, with Rebecca, it was uh, a funny and interesting story. The, the very first time I met her, I think we were both in wardrobe. She comes up to me and she starts speaking, uh, not only German, but Austrian, and uh, little beknownst to me, and uh, I, I, I didn't know she had actually grew up in Austria. And uh, you know, I'm, I was, you know, mostly in Vienna, uh, and she was more in the in the in the upper um, mountainous area. And and we we could talk Austrian to each other, and it was uh, delightful for for Kevin and and the the cast and crew to to hear that uh, a little bit of that. So that that was a lot of fun. And um, with Kevin, it was also incredible. I mean, he's a titan of the, of the silver screen, an actor, you know, uh, for, for his generation. Um, and, and to, to have the opportunity to, to have a, a dream fulfilled, you know, especially film noirs also, me and Michael connect on that, uh, absolutely as, as one of our favorite genres of movies and to have Kevin realize this as, as a sort of Robert Mitchum, Orson Welles uh, type of character was was absolutely uh, uh, breathtaking to to watch when when these two titans uh, acted in a scene together, or or when I was stepping in with a scene, it was like, my God, you know. <laughs> well, did you did you pick up anything that uh, to add to your uh, acting chops from Kevin? You know, early early on when when we were. Uh, bringing the 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 script to him and and discussing you know potentially him him coming on board uh i remember the first uh meeting he had with us he said he wants to be known as a company man and and that 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 derives from the theater uh kevin comes from the theater he's he's full of theatrical performance and 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 i felt that when i was acting in scenes with him uh, especially um you know as you might know the kitchen scene uh, as as intimidating as it looks, I, I I felt completely absorbed into his his presence, and it was an extremely collaborative experience. I I felt he 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 really wanted to help me in in the scenes, and and I, I you feel that when when you work with him, and I, I mean he he has one of the biggest personas of of character acting uh, in the industry. So well, I'm yeah. gonna bring up that kitchen scene here in a moment. 
um, <laughs> because it is a lesson in acting. But when I watched Kevin Spacey, who plays Peter, mm-hmm. the man, and we all know, he can literally act the phone book. So, you know, <laughs> yes. for you, Michael, what was it like to direct one of the best actors in the world? And, you know, there is just something about a theater trained actor. Boy, there sure is. Yeah, it's funny. I was uh, talking with our editor about this, and we had a great editor on this film as well, just an aside, a man named Nigel Galt, who was Stanley Kubrick's editor. And uh, we were talking about uh, about theater-trained actors. And when you're editing, this becomes very apparent because uh, I think there's a trend in a lot of modern movies for dialogue to almost be mumbled, you know, where you can't really hear it. And... Uh, theater actors project their dialogue and they and they really give you gold to edit with. So it's funny you mentioned that. Nigel and I, the editor, were talking about this very thing. Um, but what, uh, to your question of directing, Kevin, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure and he gives you gold on every take, you know, just, just like you'd imagine. You, you always have something fantastic to work with. And, uh, you know, Kevin's, Kevin's personality and his persona on set uh, to me, is kind of an intersection of two things. He's he's a consummate professional. He's very serious. Takes the work very serious. Then he's also uh, a comedian. He's an outrageous comedian. So that you know, if I if somebody were to ask me how to summarize, you know, who who Kevin Spacey is off camera and on set, it's it's hard hard professionalism colliding with absurd comedy. You know, and that's and. How he is when he walks into a room, he's looking for the comedy in that room. He's looked where where's the funny? You know that's that's. Well, really well did he do man. any impersonations? Because he's ex- excellent at that. He is, ex- yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I mean, he, uh, you know, he did his he did his Jack Lemmon for us, and yes, uh, and Bobby Green. I, I love, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he and uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is is one of my oh. favorite uh, movies. And, uh, and, you know, he just, he just loves lemon and he was, he, he gave us a lot of, a lot of lemon, uh, Jack lemon. Um, so he's, you're right. He's fantastic with impressions. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a comedian, but he's, he's, he also takes the work very seriously. So that's, well, well let's that's get how the, I would describe him. Well, let, let's clear the elephant out of the room here. Was there any hesitation to cast Kevin Spacey? Uh, you know, of course there was discussions, um, you know, regarding the controversies around him, but where we, we ultimately landed is that, uh, of everybody on the planet, there's no one who can play Peter better, better than Kevin Spacey. And, um, you know, my, uh, relationship with his work is through his movies. I, um, I'm not, I'm not interested in, uh, you know, uh, reading TMZ all day or, or, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm less interested in, in, uh, you know, the, the online chatter and I'm more interested in the movies. And, um, and so our, our stance was ultimately, we, you know, we'd probably take some, some heat for it because there's, you know, there's definitely some, uh, some, negative spin around the man online, obviously, but we chose to put the best actor in the role, uh, first and foremost, that was, and, uh, outside of that 
you know, it's, it's outside of my pay grade. It's uh, that if there's any, any uh, truth to the allegations, that's for the courts. And, uh, and he won his trials, you know, same, same thing happened recently with, with Johnny Depp, you know, there was allegations, he went to court, he cleared his name, the man's working again. So our focus was on the, on the filmmaking and on putting the best man in that role. Well, I, I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, I'm going to bring up that kitchen scene, Jet, because, you know, here is this scene in the movie. So I'm not going to spoil the ending whatsoever because I want everybody to see Peter 5.8. But in the scene, Peter appears in Sam's kitchen. And she's freaking out because he knew about her past. And Sam was at a loss for words, but Peter... Or I should say, Kevin Spacey's Kevin Spacey's acting just comes across as a natural instinct in the scene. I mean, he went for the jugular to rile up Sam, and I've taken acting lessons before, so I knew if he was just doing lines or if he literally took the moment to another level. And he was not only in that moment, but he pushed it. I mean, Jet, did you learn anything from Kevin in that scene by watching him literally just just never stop pushing Sam? Oh, it, he he was he was incredible. I, I mean, everyone everyone in the casting crew, you know, bunched into the house to to watch watch the scene. <laughs> and, um, I I did. I, I I learned so much from him. He he. You know, as Michael said, he's he's witty and and totally cracking up the crew. You know, during during breaks, uh, but during during this scene in particular, he was really he he was very focused. And after the scenes, he would he would walk out to the side part of the kitchen, and, and I mean, I would just be sweating. I mean, you could see you know the sweat everywhere. I'm like, hoo, 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 hoo. you know the the whole the whole scene. I'm I'm you know very top top breath uh, thing going on and. It was just delicious to to act that scene. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a very high drama, you know. I mean, I, Sam Sam is a part of me, you know. She, Sam is something that just came out, you know. She she's she's definitely a huge part of me, and uh and and I I think Kevin just craves that sort of drama on scene too, and we both just went for it, and it was delicious. I think from both sides, it's it's you want you want to. You want a, uh, an effect and a count, uh, an, um, uh, an effort and a counter effort going into it. And, and boy, did he give it to me and, and, and I, I, I could deliciously react from that. Well, how much of his, in that one scene, and Michael, you could probably answer this, and I know Jack can too. How much of that scene did he follow lines versus how much of his maybe ad libbing, I guess that's the only term you could use mm-hmm. in that scene. Which was which? Yeah, yeah. It, I don't um, know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. well, I mean, it, it's interesting you highlight that scene because uh, you're you're right that uh, Kevin likes to surprise, and acting is reacting, and he likes to bring he likes to bring surprises, and that scene, you know, is more or less scripted the way that we see it but he he brought a surprising energy to it and there are and there are a few ad-libs in that scene as well so i 
Um, I definitely need to give him credit that he did bring he did bring some uh, some some uh, dialogue surprises as well. For the most part, it's scripted, but um, but the energy was unexpected, and and he played his cards very close to the to the chest. And I'm sure uh, Jet would agree that he he didn't let on where he was going to go with that. You know? Wow! And, so uh, and that's what, that's a real, no, a real in pleasure. fact, in, in fact, I, I remember I actually remember he 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 turned the scene and made it a little bit more. Uh, he, 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 add, he added, uh, he, he upped the ante, uh, I think while we were at the, the oven, um, you know, we, I didn't think it was going to go there. And he was like, you know, oh, oh yes, you, you would do anything for it. And I'm like, well, uh-huh. I like the way he pushed, you know, the way he pushed you, Jed. I mean, he just kept coming and coming and coming. I'm like, you're so great. You just like, trust. Him. Yeah. Cause I was yeah. like, part of that's line. And I said, part mm-hmm. of that's Kevin. I mean, because oh, yeah, it's yeah. that experience that pours out. I mean, for you, Michael, how much leeway did you give Kevin when it came to scenes and following the actual script dialogue versus adding a little bit of that extra, to, I guess, sure. add more realism to it? Yeah, well, so Kevin is definitely somebody who arrives with ideas, you know, he's and uh, and and that's. You know, I think Jet and I loved loved that about working with him. This is not somebody who phones it in. Uh, he he arrives after, with uh, thoughts about the scene, and uh, sometimes we'll we'll sit down in the morning uh, with the script and uh, and we'll discuss it. And he'll have some some uh, some thoughts on how what scripted can be even better. Um, and, uh, there were certainly times where, where he brought, he brought a little extra spice to it, you know, even if it's, even if it's essentially what's on the page, how can we just find a way to make what's on the page more, more exciting, more original. And, oh, uh, and, and so that's something that he definitely did all the time. Now there's other times where the kitchen scene is a great example, and that's very astute ward that you focus on that. Where uh, where he'll surprise, where his, part of his strategy as an actor is to not reveal where he wants to go with it, and he will, uh, you know, he'll he'll spring spring some energy uh, on on the set, on onto the crew, onto onto uh, Jet who's sharing the scene with him, and uh, and the joy of the scene becomes becomes that surprise. You know, if, if you if he brings that energy in the moment. That energy is going to be recorded into the film and to be enjoyed by the audience. Yeah. Now I love the way you. It was really like an opposite attract when it came to Peter and Sam. Mm-hmm. Peter is this calm, cool, collected kind of guy. Takes his time, and and I think because he was taking his time, it added the suspense and the drama. Because you're like. You know, he could just knock these people off like now, but yep. it's more like if if he if he slows the pursuit, it makes everybody else really nervous. And then with yeah. then with Sam's character, she's this nervous Nelly. You know, when, when she's when she's not wasted and drunk, it's like yep. this. She it's just like her nerves are on on high energy and not slowing down. But then Peter's the complete opposite. And Jet, I have to say, I loved your character, Sam, because at first I was trying to figure her out. But as I was watching, I was like, Mm 
I love the quirkiness, the quirkiness of your character. Because just Sam by herself, that that is really a streaming series waiting to be birthed because there's this quirky type character. And did you base Sam off of anyone you knew or maybe a character from another movie? Because it she was brilliantly portrayed. Oh, um, you know, as I said, a lot of it comes from me. Maybe I'm just high, high drama like that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, who I mean, who doesn't want to play, you know, someone someone like Sam? So uh, it was, it, you know, just that opportunity. But I, uh, I think if I would, you know, pin it on on something, you know, someone I was thinking of or had in mind was. Uh, you know, Vivian Lee in, in Gone with the Wind or Vivian Lee in general. She, she's one of those uh, very delicious, high drama, gorgeous actresses from, you know, from, you know, from classic Hollywood. Uh, also, Jean Tierney in uh, Leave Her to Heaven was a major, major, uh, um, we, we actually have uh, an homage to a scene in Leave Her to Heaven uh, at the end of our movie with, with Jean Tierney. Um, yes, also just gorgeous, beautiful, you know, talented actress from old classic Hollywood. So, so yeah, it was it, it, basically a lot of um, homages to this um, kind of style and, and the forties and these actresses that I grew up loving. I mean, I, I adored Betty Davis, obviously she's, she's the queen of high drama, right? Uh, and, and Catherine Hepburn and, and Vivian Lee. So, uh, even before I knew who Jean Tierney was and Michael introduced me to Leave Her to Heaven and, and uh, you know, a little bit more in depth into the 40s uh, film noir, but uh, I've always, always had huge admiration for, for this, this particular uh, time in Hollywood. Well, I have to ask you, Michael, because I don't know if this was by accident or on purpose, so I'm going to let you explain because maybe I'm looking too much into it. In, sure. in one of the scenes when Sam drives her red Corvette and mm -hmm. she parks it. And, I, and I'm trying to remember if she was getting out or she was getting back in. Mm -hmm. She opens the door and I paused the film and I said, wait a minute. <laughs> the door panel's missing. And I stopped it. I said, okay, let's look at this. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's Sam. The character is polished on the outside High glamour on the outside, but her life on the inside is completely messed up. And then when I mm -hmm. saw the Corvette, I'm like, okay, it's a C4. It looks great on the outside, but it's really yep. messed up on the inside. Was that done <laughs> on purpose? Was that a little little sign there? You're you're good, Ward. You're good. Yeah, no, that's you're uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the character. The character, um, uh, we you know we've heard her described playfully as a hot mess she's a hot mess you know and that's that's part of the the fun of the character is that she's projecting this glamorous facade but uh it's you know it's just falling apart behind the scenes and <laughs> and the car the car was an intentional uh visual uh metaphor for exactly what you described so that's that's very astute and i was i've been waiting for for someone to catch that and ward you're the first person to catch that well i i, I caught it the moment i saw it because when when i i was looking at the at the movie overall it, it's modern day and i'm thinking okay we all know that you can pick up a c4 for 
you know, depending on the on the shape it's in, you could literally pick them up for less than ten grand. So I'm like, okay, so she's got the persona and the look yeah. because she's a real estate yeah. agent. She wants to look successful, and then and she's not making a whole lot of money at it, but that's about as successful as she can get to that point, and it works in yes. that in that town. So I right. so then I thought, ah, I love this. And uh, because, you know, we live in a day and age where everybody really want, wants to look as successful as they can, even though behind mm -hmm. the scenes, they're probably poor as dirt. But I get it. Uh, yeah. But for you, though, <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, where did you film this movie? Because when I looked at the town and I'm looking at the, the, the houses, I'm like, I want to go there. I want to go visit that place. Where did you film this at? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So uh, this was filmed uh, in Dunsmuir, California. Uh, this is a small town at the northernmost point of uh, California before the Oregon border. And it's it actually resides in a place the locals call the state of Jefferson. They don't consider themselves part of California. Uh, and there's been a secessionist movement there since uh, World War Two. So uh, we, you know, we actually filmed another uh, film in the same area prior to Peter 5.8 and it's called Hotel Dunsmuir. I should mention, by the way, uh, you know, this is this is where Jet and I first worked together. She's fantastic in that. And uh, character is nothing like Sam. I think uh, I think Jet was actually being quite modest when you asked her about the character because she's this is acting she's she's taking a transatlantic accent and she's she's performing in this melodramatic style which is uh which is in line with with these these great actresses from the 40s in hotel dunsmere uh jet takes a very naturalistic approach and uh so we so we made a very and that was a very small movie um we made a small movie in this area and uh and and just loved these these backdrops we love this town love working there and um and the you know the word that often comes to mind when when people see that town is cinematic there's a cinematic looking looking town so uh if you ever want to visit dunsmuir california in the great state of jefferson hey all right well you know you brought up something that i was i was kind of wondering and you pretty much answered it because jet you're acting in this role because as I was looking at the film, I'm thinking, okay, you stand out. I mean, you literally stand out even more than Kevin Spacey because <laughs> you, you bring this over-the-top melodramatic character. And that was the quirkiness that I actually loved. And I'm thinking, you could base a whole series on this one character. Because she's quirky, but all the townspeople, yeah, there's those that act normal, but then there's, you know, we always have the townspeople that are suspicious, like, you know, like the old lady when, when um, Peter was leaning, leaning up against her, mm -hmm. her fence, when she comes walking up going, is there something I can help you with, mister? And uh, yeah, so there's always, there's always neighbor, neighbor people like that, but everything worked. And so so you pulled this character from a lot of the 1940s era type movies, right? Oh, you you hit the nail on the head word when you said melodrama. This this is uh, 
exactly um, something that I've I've been dying to bring to the screen. And and Michael is a is a creative genius. And I I, I don't know a whole lot of directors who could who could do this. Uh, it, it really was down to me and Kevin exuding this melodrama because we we didn't have the budget, frankly, to go you know make make this this complete 1940s. Uh, detective film noir set in in this town, so it was really up to to my character to show that, and and it was a fine line to cross because uh, I and I think I crossed it sometimes too much because she she just comes off as really crazy, uh, and 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 people just let her have have this accent, you know, uh, Rebecca's character Brenda, she's just like okay, sweetie, okay, um, <laughs> you know, she's just one of the town eccentrics. Uh, God bless her, you know. Well, and, I and loved her dialogue because um, there were there were certain scenes, and Sam would say something, and I would sit there and I go, "She didn't really have to say anything in that scene because it could be the facial expressions, it could be, you know, it's kind of like the the lake scene." And and I thought, wait a minute, no, she she talks out loud because mm -hmm. that's how she is. It's it, it's her way of trying to figure out her own way to escape either the life she's living or or Peter hunting her down. So uh, I finally figured that out. Like, okay, this works now. Now I'm getting it because this is this is the character that's been created. So I love that. Now for you, Michael, was there any particular scene in this movie that was difficult to shoot? Well, you mentioned the lake scene and, um, you know, uh, the logistic, uh, logistical challenge of that scene was the actors being in rowboats all day. And, um, and I'm sure Jet can speak to this uh, better than, than I can, who, who was behind the camera. But, but uh, you know, row, rowing all day is, is not easy, you know. I never and, rowed I never rode before that day. <laughs> I became an uh, expert rower. Uh, you know, to Kevin's credit, I was telling him, you know, House of Cards, you know, uh, <laughs> anyone here? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what's funny about that scene, though? Because Sam, she's rowing like, I got to get away. I got to get away. And, mm -hmm. and Peter's just like taking a nice little rowing stroll. Like he's, he's not in no rush. And I'm like... <laughs> And she's oh. not getting any further away yeah. from him. And so I love that whole contrast between the two of the rush versus I'll just take my dear sweet time because that's just going to make her even more nervous because he's well, so I freaking mean, calm. Exactly. And that kind of illustrates this, uh, this dynamic juxtaposition that you highlighted where uh, Peter's in control at all times. He, you know, he comes into town, he takes his time, he's lackadaisical, he walks into any room, he's in control. And, uh, and Sam is, is melodramatic in her former life without spoiling anything. She was a performer. So she's, she's, uh, she's got this, this melodramatic uh, performance quality to her already. And, makes everything harder and more dramatic than it needs to be. And he's the opposite. And so the two of them on a boat, I thought created that contrast very well, where he's, he's, a, he's a shark just cruise, cruising at cru, you know, cruising speed through the water. And she's, she's doing 10, 10 rows for every, every one of his. 
Um, but that scene was also, uh, it's also one of these noir tropes that I felt really strongly we needed in this movie. Rowboats actually have a, have a, a big tradition in, uh, in film noir. Active violence is a fan, has a fantastic rowboat chase. Um, Lever to Heaven uh, has, has a very famous uh, rowboat scene as well. And as, as Jet mentioned, there's a visual homage to Lever to Heaven. You, you, can, you can almost, uh, you know, match frames between those films and Peter 5.8. So it's one, for me, it was very important to, to, uh, to structure a modern film around these tropes. You know, the trope of a, a, a man in black that rolls into a sleepy town and turns it upside down. I mean, that's how that's how uh, Out of the Past with Robert Mitchum starts. It's um, and it's just an, it's just a, a evocative way to bring some, bring a viewer into a film by by using these tropes and, and inverting them in a modern way. Well, there's the scene between Kevin Spacey. And Rebecca de Mornay. Um, the scene where he's like, I don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. um, what was the actor's setup for that scene? Because even with the way that Peter was acting towards Rebecca's character, I was like, whoa, how was she going to handle this whole persona of night and day from, from love to I despise you right now. I mean, how did how did yeah. you set that scene up, and how did the actors work that scene out? Yeah, well, I what I find interesting about Rebecca's character is, to Peter, she's collateral damage. He's he's using her, he's casting her aside, and I think we, the audience, get the impression he's done this a few times in his career. He's he's very very used to taking on a persona getting the job done, and leaving collateral damage in his wake. Um, Brenda, who is Rebecca de Mornay's character, as envisioned, uh, grew up in this small town um, and grew up living a hard rural life, you know, and uh, she's, she's no one's collateral damage. You know, that was, that was the idea. And I don't want to enter into spoiler territory past no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, but for, <laughs> for to progress, um, past that point, we, the audience needed to, uh, you know, to, to feel that, that, uh, heartbreak that, sh that she experiences in that scene. And, uh, the two of them together are just fantastic. I mean, they, they were, they were, uh, great. They became friends on set. They had great chemistry. And these are two, as far as I'm concerned, two uh, legends of the screen. And you just let them go and they just do their thing. And it's a pleasure. Well, you know, there's um, there's after that scene, it happened. And I'm not going to give it away because 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 it leads into the climax of the film. And when Brenda is sitting in her own place, she has the tears running down her face. Mm -hmm. I stopped the film and I went there's a sign and I'm not going to mention what it is. Cause I want everybody to see the film. But then mm -hmm. when I saw it, I went, okay, I'm going to have, I said, that is linked to her character. I'm let's see where this goes. And mm -hmm. it goes. So I'm just going <laughs> to leave it there. Cause I want everybody to see Peter five, eight, but, um, but I have to say, I have to ask you, why did you use the scripture Peter five, eight, 
as the basis of the film. And for for those of you who do not know what it says, it says, keep your mind clear and be alert. Your opponent, mm-hmm. the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour. Why did you use that in the film? Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few reasons I, I used it. I mean, narr- narratively, uh, I, I was very interested in how that related to the story. Now, Sam's character... Uh, as we alluded to, is is uh, is is a hot mess. You know, she's she's not a responsible person, and um, and she she is uh, she's a drunk. She's not confronting her her uh, deeds. She's done some very uh, unfortunate actions, and she hasn't confronted them, and she hasn't uh, atoned for them. And uh, this this is the, the the theme of the film, and that uh, that passage uh, alludes to this. It, it alludes to being of sound mind, of responsibility, of being uh, of confronting your actions. And so P- Peter in the film is an agent of of confrontation, uh, of confronting one's own actions, of confronting one's uh past and sam has been running from this so um but at the same time you know peter is that that prowling lion and he's he's uh and he's he enters a small town and he's got all the power and he's got uh you know and he's in the driver's seat so he's that prowling devil um but at the same time the the real villain of 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 the piece if you if you were is is uh Sam's lack of responsibility, you know? Um, Yeah, she wasn't staying alert. You know, she was running away from a past that she thought was technically long forgotten. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's a a woman on the run. She, this is, you know, the, I mean, the, the archetypal or, or, you know, anti-hero sort of um, character. She has a secret. She has a a big dark secret and, uh, and she's hiding it. And she wants to go move to a new small town change you know change her her name her character and her job description and and live a new life and this is this is a movie you know about a reckoning you know be sober be vigilant uh you know as as you know the devil as a roaring lion you know walketh about seeking whom he may devour so it's 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 a you know it's a story of a reckoning and what's also beautiful at the end is there's a redemption there there is a redemption story uh, uh with this as well that that uh, is is you know has has you know many. Well, yeah, I to tell you the truth, I almost didn't recognize in in the bar scene. I almost didn't recognize Sam's husband. I was like, <laughs> "Who is that?" And I went, "Oh my gosh!" And so yeah, there is that. There's that redemption. There's that deliverance. There's that renewing. But mm-hmm. I like the film very much. And, and all I'm going to say is, if, so because I'm not going to spoil it for everyone, but I'm already looking forward to a possible sequel because, Michael, you've got some explaining to do. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And yeah. We won't spoil it, but I know exactly what you're, what you're referring to. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was just it's like... Cause, over, cause, yeah. Yeah, because, because there, was, um, there, was this, there, was one, there was this one moment, and I was just like, Okay, do not leave me hanging. I need a sequel. I need, I, you know, it's kind of like having someone that's OCD, but then you mm-hmm. don't let them finish their task. That's yep. where this left me. 
Well, you know, it's, it's funny, Ward. I, I'm, I'm a fan of clear storytelling, of old-fashioned storytelling. That's where all of the cues in this film come from. But I also like a little bit of ambiguity. I also like a little, a little, uh, a little something that gets people talking in the aisles because you can't have it be all wrapped up in a clean, a clean bow. Uh, so it's uh, the hope is that this is this is old fashioned, and it's it's clear, clean storytelling. And uh, and it's in a style that's that's uh, contrary to to a lot of films that are made today. This is intentionally old fashioned. Um, we hope with the uh, you know we hope it's respectful towards towards uh, the passage which it gets its title from. This is not this is not a film that has any any uh, disrespect towards towards faith. The part quite to the contrary. Um, it's actually it's- positive towards it. Yeah, and I think exactly. and I think there's often a an unnecessary delineation between uh, you know faith faith based films and mainstream Hollywood, which uh, usually treats treats that very disrespectfully. You know, so uh, I I think there can be a middle ground. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and completely. That, and I love the scenes. You know, to you know, in the end, you know, with, with Sam and her husband. And it's kind of like you go from you go from dark to light. Yes. And and so the ending has this very um, fresh feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and then until you stick us with that one scene, and then I'm like, okay, don't 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 keep me hanging. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's film noir well, yeah. for you, you know. So <laughs> that's film noir. You need you need a singer. Uh, but I will say, you know, it's funny her, uh, you know, so what you're alluding to is, is, uh, Travis, the husband gets, gets a haircut and they, they, they clean up their act. So there's some notion of, of redemption, but when you think about it and, and Sam herself has a line about this, has, has she really confronted her, her sin that sent Peter on her trail to begin with was was there really any any uh, reason for redemption? Maybe there wasn't. Maybe maybe, uh, may, maybe there's still some some confronting of the past that still needs to happen. Uh, so that's all I'll say about what you're referring to, and I'll let viewers come to their own conclusions. That, that's and that's what I love about films like this. You know, it allows the audience to go, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Or well, how did that happen? And then you're trying to trying to create. It's it's funny. It's films like this that causes the audience to start creating their own movie scenes. And yeah. and that's the beauty of film. That's the beauty of filmmaking. And you've done that. Now I've got to ask, why did it take two years to bring this film to pass? Yeah. Well, I mean. Quite honestly, it had to do with uh, with Kevin's trial in in the UK, um, and so you know, shortly after we we uh, completed the film, there were some uh, accusations brought against Kevin, and uh, that led to a delay in the release. It just would not uh, it was not bookable until the man cleared his name, and after he after he did, it all uh, it can all go forward. People can finally see this film, which has Kevin Spacey in it from beginning to end. 
uh, crafting an original character. And I, I, I love the man's filmography and I'm proud that uh, this is in addition to that filmography and his fans can finally see it uh, starting well, in March. Okay, so I was going to ask you, when does the film debut for everyone to see it? March 22nd. March 22nd. March 22nd. Well, you're giving me plenty of time yeah. to do a lot of promotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate it, Ward. <laughs> and and Jed, do you have any last words for us today on this uh, on this film? Oh well, uh, sure. Well, well, you know, this is this is uh, Kevin. This is the Kevin Spacey comeback movie for for uh, his American audience, and it will be in theaters. Uh, and we will, you know, get get more uh, of a theater theatrical release on that. And it will be uh, in March, in in two months from now. Oh my goodness! So well, yeah, we're we're finally excited to to bring this to 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 everyone. Well, let me ask you really quickly, Jed, because I understand that. Uh, and, and remind me, is it is it a, is it a new film coming out, or was it a past film in which you did all your stunts in? Oh yes, uh, uh, the the vigilante. Yes, that that uh, that was just recently released as well in uh, September of last year. Uh, I, I love I love all kinds of movies, so that one I'm very action oriented. <laughs> well, I understand that you did some uh, gun training, but you also did all of your own stunts. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I love it. I'm very, I'm very much like, like Tom Cruise on that, to, to be frank. I wanted to do everything. I, 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 I was a competitive gymnast in school. So I, I was, you know, I was like, Hey, I, I can do this. So I had, I had combat training and, and rifle training and uh, weapons training. So, um, and it, it was about um, sex trafficking of children, and it's it's a very important story. I, I you know, very much wanted it to be told, and I'm uh, very proud of that movie as well. It's on uh, Tubi and Apple and uh, other other streaming platforms, right? Now. Yeah, and it's called The Vigilante, correct? Yes. All right, Michael. Uh, do you have any new films coming out uh, um, besides Peter Five Eight this year? Yeah, so uh, nothing that we can announce yet, but in early development on another film, which um, we're very excited about. And, and uh, you know, the, my, my goal as a filmmaker is, is to uh, work in different genres, but to also create projects um, on increasingly large scales. And uh, I look forward to uh, painting on an even bigger canvas with the next one. So that's, well, that's well, all I'll say. <laughs> Well, you're you're both welcome back anytime to talk about more film and more acting. And ladies and gentlemen, if you like suspense thrillers, come March, you're going to enjoy Peter 5-8. Now look, Kevin Spacey isn't the one that actually carries this film, but we won't tell Kevin that. It's Jet <laughs> Genro. And I love her quirky, classy exterior whose interior is about as shabby as the interior of that Corvette that she drives in the movie. And uh, for actress Rebecca DeMornay, still graces the screen with such a strong presence and her character should not be overestimated as she packs a punch. And you'll see why when you watch Peter 5-8. Hey, I want to thank you, Michael, and thank you, Jet, for sharing your suspense thriller Peter 5-8 with us today. And uh, like I said, Michael, I'm expecting a sequel. <laughs> Just might get it, Ward. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much, yeah. Ward. Well, y'all are it's very been welcome. It's a real pleasure. Hey, I've had a blast with both of you today. And, 
And ladies and gentlemen, you can catch all the replays of our interviews with the top film directors, producers, and screenwriters, as well as actors and more on our YouTube channel, Bond on Cinema. We are available on a dozen audio platforms as well. And get ready for our new website, which is almost done. And I want to thank all of you for watching and listening. And as for me, I hope to see you at the movies or maybe even on the red carpet. Thank you for watching.